All right. Hey, everyone. Harry here. Welcome to the next episode of The Unstarving Artist. Really glad that you're tuning in. So we got a lot of great stuff on the docket today. I'm excited to be talking with you all right about. So we'll just get right into that. Um, but really quickly before we do, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe there. That will help the YouTube algorithm push our content out to more artists so we can reach more people and help them. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, you can also go ahead and follow us there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. All right. We're also trying out something really fun today for the first time of uh, streaming this on other sites as well, like Twitter and LinkedIn and things like that. So if you are joining us from there, welcome and go ahead and also like this content there or leave a comment there letting me know um, what it's like. Is the video quality good? Um, do you have any feedback or any suggestions uh, for, for this? All right. So without further ado, let's just jump right in. So there's been a lot of really good discussion in the community of artists that I work with, uh, the Academy, and we had a, a new artist that came in recently and shared a quote from uh, Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, that really resonated with him and I think motivated and inspired him. So I just wanted to share that quote with you here and a bit of my perspective on it. So it's a little bit longer of a quote, but it's uh, we'll get through it real quick. So there's lots of ways to be as a person. And some people express their deep appreciation in different ways. But one of the ways that I believe people express their appreciation to the rest of humanity is to make something wonderful and put it out there. And you never meet the people, you never shake their hands, you never hear their story or tell yours, but somehow in the act of making something with a great deal of care and love, something's transmitted there. And it's a way of expressing to the rest of our species our deep appreciation. So we need to be true to who we are and remember what's really important to us. So that's the quote from Steve Jobs that he shared as he joined the group. I think it's, it's a source of inspiration, a uh, source of motivation for him. And I can see why this would resonate with a lot of visual artists. You know, the idea about um, making something wonderful and putting it out there and seeing if other people resonate with it, they appreciate it, and it shows that you care also about the human condition. So I think that's so true. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, what I wanted to especially call out with this quote is the notion of it's a way of expressing to the rest of our species our deep appreciation. I think that's really important in the quote because he talks about making something wonderful and putting it out there. What, is it, what does he mean by wonderful? I think that what he means by wonderful is something that shows appreciation to the rest of the species. It's something that's um, not just wonderful to you as a person, but you know is going to be wonderful to others. Others will appreciate value and they'll feel cared for and appreciated for because of what you put out there. So I think that's so key. I think if we look at this quote and we just uh, look at it as an as a inv invitation, a call to just put things out there that we think are, are wonderful without wondering about other people and how they'll relate to it, um, I think we're not going all the way with what Steve Jobs is really getting at here and so it was funny like he uh this this new artist um was doing an intro post in our community shared this quote um and then uh right around that that discussion there were other discussions where people were asking about um exploring art topics um we we talk about in in the academy creating uh identifying an art topic that you want to focus your art practice around um as a way to uh connect with people and draw them in and so there's another discussion called Exploring Art Topics I Love to Make Art About. And really fruitful discussion, a lot of good uh, back and forth. Um, but it's just interesting um, 
the way that even that sentence is phrased, exploring art topics I love to make art about. What if, what if that, what if we shifted our mindset there and we said something like instead, art topics and people that I care about or art topics and audiences that I care about or art topics and communities that I care about. What am I getting at here? I'm, what I'm getting at here is like, where's the emphasis being placed in, um, our focus and on our approach? Um, are we focusing on, um, first and foremost, uh, the art creation process or the community of people that we want to serve through our art practice? Um, this might sound like it's splitting hairs and it might sound, uh, you might have some resistance to this right now. You might feel like, oh, this is not, um, something that resonates with me. And if that's the case, totally cool. I mean, there's lots of different ways for people to relate to their art, to create their art. There's not one right way of being an artist, not at all. Um, but when it comes to like wanting to have your art be sold and really appreciated by others, I think this is a really interesting and even uh, interesting mindset shift, um, even if it feels a bit challenging to you right now. So given this, I was, I was reading that Steve Jobs quote and it reminded me of another Steve Jobs quote that I really like and resonates with me. Um, and it came from a conference he was at where <laughs> there was this gentleman that got up on the microphone to ask him a question. And this guy was really kind of uh, cold and aggressive and uh, judgmental and asked this question. It was a very technical question about uh, a technology called Java at the time and their role um, uh, in uh, Apple's role in, I think, either bringing that to market. It was some really technical uh, detailed question. And, and the importance isn't about that. The importance is about how Steve responded. So this is what Steve had to say to this guy. He said, um, one of the things I've always found is that you've got to start with the customer experience and work backwards to the technology. You can't start with the technology and try to figure out where you're going to try to sell it. And I made this mistake probably more than anybody else in this room, and I got the scar tissue to prove it. And I know it, that it's the case. And as we've tried to come up with a strategy and a vision for Apple, it started with what incredible benefits can we give to the customer? Where can we take the customer? Not starting with, let's sit down with the engineers and figure out what awesome technology we have, and then how are we going to market that? And I think that's the right path to take. Apple embodies this philosophy throughout the customer lifecycle, including being exposed to the product, buying the product, implementing the product, upgrading the product, and getting help with the product. It's Apple's competitive advantage. So, how does this relate to us as visual artists? You know, it's a lot of talk about technology and engineers. But what I think if you can put yourselves into this quote for a second and look at it, you realize that if you could take the word engineers and technology and substitute it for whatever we're creating, in this case, our creative expression, our, our art, painting, sculpture, you name it. Um, he's, he's calling out the benefit of shifting your mindset to thinking first about where can we take the customer what benefits can we give to the customer? And then working backwards from there to what you're going to offer to them. Okay. And yes, this is a, a different mindset that a lot of artists adopt today. And again, it's not the only way you can think about as an artist and be fulfilled in your art practice. But if you want to have your art reach a lot of people, if you want to impact a lot of people, if you want to make a lot of sales with your art, this is a really, really useful mindset shift. And I think 
Um, people can debate this, but I think anyone would be able to see that a, a company like Apple has a ton of artistry to it. Um, Steve Jobs, while being multifaceted, definitely had a lot of art to himself as a personality, as a creator. Okay. So what's our takeaway here? Yeah, I would just encourage you if you're in one of our communities and you're working on picking out your art topic or you're, you're not and you're just in our broader audience and you're thinking about what you want your art practice to be about, what sort of art do you like to make, I would encourage you to think about what sort of people out there, what communities, tribes, audiences do you really care about, do you resonate with? Um, who would you like to serve, whether you were making money or not? And really try to connect with those people, build relationships with them, and if you do that and you get to know them really, really well, what sort of art to create, uh, what subjects to cover, um, mediums to choose, that will just like organically manifest itself and come into play for you, okay? The next thing I want to talk a little bit about, shifting gears for a second, is this idea of cause and effect. Now, what do I mean by cause and effect? The idea is that in reality, there are certain things that you can do or not do that lead to certain outcomes. And a lot of us, when we're starting out in a new field, um, we don't have a good mental model about what causes lead to what effects. Okay? So one of the things I've been seeing recently in our uh, communities as well is that people will come in, maybe they're new uh, to our um, way of doing things, they're new to sales and marketing of art, uh, but they still come in and they give really strong opinionated advice on what people need to do. Um, and I don't have a monopoly on all wisdom or all knowledge, anything like that. But sometimes I look at some of the advice that's being given and I, I say, hmm, what is the cause and effect relationship here this person is proposing? And I don't see that there is a clear cause and effect relationship. Um, it just might be uh, sharing advice or sharing tips that sound good on the surface that feel good but uh if they don't if they're not rooted in in a clear cause and effect relationship then that advice no matter how much it how much it makes us feel good in the moment can um in the long term not serve us so uh, that's a little abstract but let me give you an example of this so one of the examples that's coming up a lot and you see it um, all over the place. It's a, it's a, there's a big dialogue around this is, um, if you just figure out who you are, what you like, what your interests are, if you just kind of figure out your true self, if you find out what you're passionate about, then everything else will take care of itself. Um, you will, uh, um, have success or people will line up to pay you. Um, and if you just stop and think for a minute, while that sounds good and feels good on the surface, you can probably come up with tons of examples where it's not the case, right? If you're, if your passion is, um, I don't know, um, if your passion is like uh, doing, uh, uh, setting up snails to have a little race with each other and race them across your desk or something like that, I'm just coming up with something very silly. Uh, just because you're really passionate about that doesn't mean that there's going to be people that want to pay you for that or there's an audience for that per se. A lot of times it's the case, but it's not necessarily always the case. So that's just one example of what I've been seeing um, where this happens. So what's the takeaway? The takeaway is when you enter a new field, um, a new topic, a new domain, 
uh, it's okay to uh, take a breather first and really try to work on understanding that cause and effect relationship in that new domain, whether it's marketing art or selling art or what have you. Um, I love that the, the, the analogy of if you're on a plane, you know, and they say, if the oxygen masks come down, you want to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before helping others. If you try to help others first before you have a clear, uh, if you have clear oxygen coming to you, then you can actually uh, fail to help them or pass out or so on and so forth. So um, work on building your own mental model in a new area and really get comfortable with that. And then offer advice around those things that you're, you're comfortable in that you know uh, clearly that you understand intimately. Um, and that will be basically equivalent to, you know, take care of yourself first so that you can be useful and helpful to others around you. Um, just to go a little bit further on this topic of, of, you know, this idea of finding out who you are and what you're passionate about and then, and then everything will take care of itself. I think it's close, but it's not quite there. Um, there's a couple different mental models that you can use to look at this. Um, one of the ones that I really like is this idea of the static self versus the becoming self. So if we just focus on trying to figure out what we like and what we're passionate about, to me, that invites um, really more of a static self or a, a static definition of the self where who you are is fixed. It's a way, it's a certain way. And you're just trying to find out like the edges of that static person and 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 stay there and it invites i think really staying in your comfort zone and feeling like uh you will you'll be better served by going deeper and deeper and deeper into your comfort zone and ignoring everything else on the flip side there's something called the becoming self the becoming self recognizes that uh perhaps there isn't such a thing as your true self perhaps there isn't such a thing as um what is you and what is not you what if that's the case? What if the case is that um, you can be whoever you want to be? You, there's, you have a lot more depth and potential within you that you don't even realize. And so rather than thinking about carving out that fixed static self, you think, okay, given I, a certain goal that I have, I want to be an artist that makes 3000 a month, 5000 a month. I want to be a six-figure artist, um, whatever it might be. Then you think to yourself, okay, what sort of character traits values, attributes, what sort of routines does that type of person have? And when you look at that type of person and who that is, you're going to notice some big gaps between who you are and that type of person. And then what you want to do is you want to work on becoming that type of person. And I think that's a much more um, useful mental model. It has a, it has a, a better um, uh, uh, attachment to this idea of cause and effect. It's like, uh, and in my own life, I've seen that to be true, that in the past, you know, past versions of myself, I would have never thought that I could learn sales. It wasn't a part of my identity. It wasn't something that I thought of as me. But one point, I just reached the realization that I need to learn this, even though I don't feel like it's me, even though it's something that, that I don't feel comfortable with. And so this is a really powerful thing that allows you to uh uncover and 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 grow in ways that you don't even realize you have the potential to do so um focusing on just finding out who you are what your true passions are i think it it it, it uh runs the risk of letting just 
what in the short term feels good, what our emotions are telling us in the short term feel good, um, that playing too much of a role on driving our decisions. Um, Because a lot of times there are certain things that we have to do that will make us uncomfortable, that will stretch us, that will challenge us. They won't feel like us. But then uh, a week later, a month later, six months later, 12 months later, we've integrated that new thing into ourself and we feel like it is a part of us in a way that we wouldn't have even realized if we uh, went back 12 months ago. Okay? So this reminds me of an idea that I came across this week. Um, it's called Ikigai. It's an idea from Japan. And it roughly means like a reason for living. Um, it often means like a feeling of accomplishment and fulfillment that follows when people pursue their passions and interests. Um, but I think it's a little bit more than that. And I actually have a little chart here to bring up. Um, what I really like, the definition that I like is figuring out the intersection between what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. Okay, it's the intersection of those four things. I'll say it again. What you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. And if you Google this, you can probably find these charts or this uh, infographic here, visualization. There's a really powerful one which shows you like a Venn diagram of four circles, right? And right in the center is that key guy. That's that really balance and fulfillment that we're looking for. But it shows you also where three of the circles overlap and why it leaves us a little bit unfulfilled depending on which which of those areas where we're not quite an ikigai, where something's a little bit off. So one of those areas is the intersection of what you are good at what you and what you love and that's called your passion okay that they put passion right there for that intersection but what's interesting you may not know this if you look look up the origins of the word passion it comes from the latin word pati which means suffer right and so this is probably why like a lot of artists they just focus on what they love and what they're good at and then that leads to feelings of suffering pain discomfort uh you're not quite in that ikigai center okay on the other side, those, the two circles across that are like what the world needs and what you can be paid for. And so those are often ignored by artists or uh, downplayed, let's say, you know, a little bit more diplomatically. But if you can basically figure out how to integrate those into what you're doing, you can move into that center where you're still doing something that you're passionate about, but you're also finding, out, finding that it's something that the world needs and that you can be paid for it. Okay? So look into this concept of ikigai. Uh, look at this and and see where you feel like you are right now. Maybe you feel like you're in that passion section or maybe you're working a job right now. A lot of people who are in the nine to five world, they are more at the intersection of what they're good at, what the world needs and what you can be paid for. And that leads to feelings of comfort, but sort of emptiness or like lack of purpose, right? So um, this is a really helpful tool to kind of identify where you're at and where you should shift and where you need to become in order to have more fulfillment and purpose in what you're doing. Okay? So another mental model if you if the idea of there if the idea that there's no such thing as a self, there's no such thing as you or not you and that you can become anything if that's a little bit hard to swallow, uh look at it this way then maybe. Uh you can just a more western kind of version of this would be thinking about the integration of the self. So there's certain um 
personality traits that you have, dispositions that you have, things that you like. And then there are um, other things that maybe you feel like are you're weaker in or they're, um, they come out and they flare up in certain times. Uh, a, there was a psychologist named Carl Jung who called this like the shadow. And uh, a lot of like personal development and personal growth is talked about, about integrating that shadow, integrating that in. Um, for example, uh, there's often this uh, polar- polarity discussed between chaos and order in life. Uh, chaos is um, this idea of um, unordered um, nature. It's where creativity comes from. And I think a lot of artists are more inclined to like be in that sort of chaotic life, that creative life where things are unordered, um, uh, unstructured, so on and so forth. And they feel like it's freeing to do that. Well, I would encourage you to think about how can you integrate more order into that process and not uh, dismiss it or downplay that entirely. How can you integrate those both in a cohesive and holistic way? And just because you integrate them together doesn't mean that you have to let go of or weaken that other thing. Um, this happens occasionally where I'm talking to an artist and I'm giving them advice on uh, giving them, uh, asking them to, to put more order, more structure in what they're doing, having some discipline, having some routine. And they will like almost, you know, right away jump out and say, well, I can't do that as an artist, blah, 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 blah. Right. And really when they, when, the, when I get that reaction, what they're showing is they have a very fixed, static sense of their self and what it means to be an artist. And uh, off, more often than not, like that strong sense of identity and that strong sense of like who they are and what they need to be is the number one thing that's holding them back from breaking through to that next step. They're, they're resisting integrating things that they know they need to. Um, and they're using their brain to rationalize uh, procrastination or development in those areas that need to be strengthened by them. Okay. Uh, another like a uh, metaphor. This is like yin and yang. Um, I don't know too much about yin and yang, but you've seen that in uh, I think it's in Japanese culture as well. Just like the balance between uh, white and black and that intersection and that balance. And I think that's something that a lot of artists uh, could really benefit from. Is like integrating areas that they historically have felt are not them. Maybe it's things like uh, spreadsheets or like doing little bits of math or. Um, uh, tracking things or uh, um, um, creating content on social media. There are certain things that they uh, that we can resist because we feel like it's not us. And if you find yourself doing that, try to cultivate awareness of it, catch yourself doing it. And if you can catch yourself and be aware of it, that's the first step to moving past that and becoming a deeper, richer, more fuller version of yourself that is closer into that center of Ikigai. So let's switch gears one more time. Uh, I, another another quote I came across really recently that really blew me away. I had no idea that this was out there, but um, Andy Warhol, one of the most famous you know contemporary artists, uh, pop artists, he had a quote where he said one time, "Being good in business is the most fascinating kind of art. Making money is art, and working is art, and good business is the best art." I think that's such a powerful quote, and obviously, again, like just because if 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 you are an artist and you're not into making money, that's totally fine. That's not the only like uh, way that you can be an artist or approach your art practice, of course. But it was really cool and empowering to hear that some, an artist of that level recognize the artistry in being good in business, making money and working. And so um, if anyone out there knows more about that quote, the origin of it, 
uh, his thinking behind it. Um, let me know in the comments. I'd love to learn more about that story about how he related to the business side of his art practice. Um, because I think there's, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, I think you may or may not be able to see it as a visual artist now where you're at, but as I've gotten further and further along in my own business practice and my, um, my career uh, with my business, I just see how, how much artistry there is around what I do and what other business owners, um, entrepreneurs, and just business professionals in general, no matter your, your job title, there's so much art around us and surrounding us at all times. And it's, uh, it's up to us to identify it, uh, be aware of it, and, and lean into it. And if we can have a mindset, sort of a, uh, a positive mindset and look for that, it leads to just um, more enjoyment, more fulfillment, and better, um, better relations between people because we create better products, better experiences because we're really engaging with the art of what we're doing. And then the last, but certainly not least, thing I want to talk about briefly today is these AI chat tools. So you've probably heard of ChatGPT so far. I probably talked about it maybe some on past episodes, but I just want to share with you all that I've been using it more and more in my day-to-day, and I'm getting a lot of um, benefit from it. So if you haven't looked into it yet, I would highly encourage that you do. Um, The idea of how you interact with these tools, it's called uh, there's a term that's been coined. It's called prompting. So when you are chatting with it, you're basically sending it what are called prompts. And if you want to learn more about prompting, I was looking through a bunch of um, free resources, that, tutorials and whatnot. The best one I found is a website called learnprompting.org. Learnprompting.org. And it's got a ton of tutorials that kind of explain different uh, types of prompts you can do, how you can improve the response. And... Um, the way I've been using it in, in the past, if I was doing a big creative task, a creative project, and I would do it on my own, um, instead of just doing it on my own, it's almost like I just have this constant dialogue. I have a window open with the chat and I ask it for advice, perspective on how to do things as I go along. And then I will revise what it gives me feedback on by giving it another prompt, another uh, reaction. So it's this, it's this, very interesting feeling where I know I'm I'm not talking to a human being, but it's um, it feels like I'm having a dialogue with an assistant, and I've been using it for so many different things like uh, copywriting, proofreading content, editing content, even coding a little bit. Like if there's certain little tasks in the past, um, I studied software engineering back in the day. I know how to code, but uh, there are certain languages or certain you know areas where I'm, I'm much weaker. But I can I can read what it spits out. So if I can just say in plain English, hey, I need help with this, you know, write me a script that does X, Y, or Z, it will write it really fast. And then I can read it and I can see if it makes logical sense or if there's edits to be made. Sometimes there are. So you have to know enough in whatever domain you're asking for help in to be able to judge the output, have the wisdom to interact with the output in that way. But if you do, um, it's a really big source of productivity. So I think uh, if you want to get more into content marketing, creating content, writing, and you feel like writing is uh, a weak spot for you, um, really encourage you to check these tools out and see if it can boost your productivity. You can't just turn your head off. I've seen, I've seen people literally say, oh my gosh, I don't have to think anymore because of this tool. That's not the right response. Um, or let's not say right, but the not the most helpful response. Um, you want to look at it as something where 
it's almost like an assistant that's doing output for you, that's doing work for you. And then you're the wiser senior person who's editing it, revising it, reviewing it before it's sent, sent out, before it's you know used publicly, whatever you're using it for. Okay? So that's it for today's episode. I hope this has been helpful. Um, again, like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, that will help um, um, uh, us get this message out there. We'll be able to impact more people. You can also hit that notification bell on YouTube as well. So you'll be notified when we have new episodes to come out. Make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. And if you want help with growing your art practice, you can book a 15-minute quick discovery call with me to see if there would be a fit for us to work together. Just click on the link in the description to book that call. That being said, coaching with me is a four-figure investment. So if something like that isn't feasible for you at the moment, no worries at all, but just please don't book a call. Instead, join us in the Catalyst. It's a new private community I've created that has some of my best training inside and much more. And for at least at the moment, you can join at a very affordable, very accessible rate. So just click on that link in the description to join and I'll see you there. All right, thanks so much and we'll talk soon.